Hello, you're tuned into the Benefit Broadcast, the Conceal or Reveal edition. A six-part series spotlighting a collective of inspirational brow raisers. We'll be opening up the conversation to reveal perspectives on topics that many choose to conceal and embrace self-expression, acceptance, and celebration, whatever that sounds like. I'm Ryan Lange, a cultural producer and founder of Hangama, East London's queer Bollywood night. I'm also a TV personality and reluctant icon, but I am here with the incredible Charlie Craigs. Hey Ryan. Hi guys, so my name is Charlie Craigs. I am an activist, I'm an author, the author of Two My Trans Sisters, and I'm the presenter of BBC Three's Transitioning Teens. Today's episode is a celebration of the LGBTQIA experience. We'll be discussing different perspectives on the idea of coming out and spotlighting what self-expression looks like in a society that wants to put you in a box. So let's get into it, Ryan. Charlie? Yes? I'm gay. Wait, what? I know. <laughs> this is incredible. I think it's important that we sit here and talk about these things because a lot of people like to create fake scenarios in their heads and feel like they can't live their truth, exist in their truth, or reveal their truth. How do you feel about coming out? Coming out's a weird one, isn't it? I saw someone speaking recently about how we should call it coming in, because oh. coming out gives all the power to the people that we're coming out to. Yeah, whereas it should be more about like us taking that power and saying like, do you want to come in? Like, I'm inviting you, you can come in if you want, but if you're not gonna respect me, you can't come in. It really shifts the power balance. I think you're absolutely right, because I, Remember when I came out, the majority of people that I love and I knew cared about me unconditionally always said, we know. And I was like kind of taken back. So I kind of feel like you're right. It's almost like an acknowledgement to yourself that you're allowed to be who you truly are. Yeah. My coming out experience, it was interesting because I feel that when I was younger, I mean, I look really young, but actually I'm from the era of VHS. Same. And cassettes. Same. Well, I don't know if I was cassette. See, I, was I, knew there, I knew there was a difference. I knew there was a difference. But I found it really difficult to figure out like how to understand and wrap my, my head around the words gay and trans and bisexual. I mean, back in the day, it was just LGB. It was just gay. It was just gay. Yeah. And gay oh encompassed lesbian, it encompassed drag queens, it encompassed trans people even. There was like just, it was one word. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think over time things expand. And I think that we learn and as we raise visibility, we, we figure out who we are. But I mean, going back to where I was when I was a kid, I was subscribing to things like playing with a PlayStation and hanging out with all my like male presenting cousins. And I just wanted to hang out upstairs and make roti with my aunties. And my mom was like, you have to go downstairs because we don't want everyone to think that you're gay. So I remember being a kid and I like went to a, a library and I, like crawled so no one could see me to like the gay bisexual section okay. and just pulled books down and secretly read them in other books just to figure out like what it meant and then we had dial-up and the internet taught me a lot of things <laughs> and this was the final result guys you can't so return you it too <laughs> <Don't> re <laughs> like it's so good now that queer youth don't have to go to a library like what do libraries even still exist like they don't have to like go to a library and crawl to find a book they can go on the internet they which they have in their hands now on a phone they can g turn on tv and see queer representation on bbc3 they can see it on drag race they can see it even at like mainstream things like the brits the other day you can just see it everywhere on soap operas even like it's so important to have that how can you be what you can't see sort of thing you know you, it's so important to be able to see someone that you identify with and we never had that growing 
not. Yeah, we didn't. But I think it's really important that as like two people who are transitioning two generations, like the generation that were struggling and had so much internalized homophobia yeah. and were trying to survive the AIDS epidemic to the generation now who are like completely aware of everything. And as soon as you meet someone, they're telling you what their pronouns are. It's like yeah. in order to talk about the journey that we had to go through, the lack of resources, the lack of support and these shining moments of support from people we never thought that helped us get a lifeline to see another day. Like it's important to have these chats. And yeah. so I, as a queer South Asian person, it was really difficult for me to constantly remind myself that it's okay to be this way. The word normal shouldn't be used anymore. Yeah. A heteronormative society needs to be sent to the mortuary, if you ask me, because we need to start having conversations about this experience. When did you come out? When did you know that you were trans? It was a long one for me because I was told I was gay. Like I grew up in a council state in West London and like I was told from like seven, like gay, gay, your girl, which is hilarious because I go back to my old estate now and the people who called me a girl back then are calling me a man now. So it's like, you really can't win. Yeah. It's like, I did what you wanted, like, you, please. But, but do you know what I mean? Like, but they're also sliding into my DMs. So, um, but do you know what? Like, I was told I was gay and that really didn't help because I thought I was gay for a long time because like, I was like, well, I guess I am because trans definitely wasn't part yeah. of the cultural conversation back then. There was very little gay representation, never mind trans representation. It was just assumed I wasn't. It was only until I found through like things like TV and the internet, Drag Race. I remember yeah. watching season one back in 2009. I got all the way back too. Me too. It was like 3 a.m. on E4 on a Thursday I or was Wednesday. Using, like a streaming site. Yeah. I, I would like. I would, Getting like, viruses because exactly. you had to like go on those dodgy <laughs> websites. Did, yeah, get rid of it. It was worth but, it. I mean, that has completely changed the community that we live in. It's, it saved my life. I can hands on say I wouldn't be here today about Drag Race. I 100% couldn't have got through school I'm like the last single. Handedly write a letter to the producers please of Drag Race because Charlie Craig is in the room, ladies and gentlemen, gender non-conforming <laughs> oh, creatures. Um, you are incredible. And you I'm, are. Oh, thanks. Why we're here today, guys? <laughs> we're just fan, fan <laughs> We're just gay, really, as well. That's <laughs> really why you we're here. You and I go way back, actually, because when I first moved to London, I curated Nail Feeling. I know you did. Which was London's first ever nail art exhibition. Let's see the nails. I mean, I'm doing this as a like lime number. It was incredible. <laughs> but I, so I moved to London and I didn't even know who I was. I was basically like, okay, I'm here with my partner. I'm gay, so I ran away from Canada and I was just in this city that like I as a Canadian didn't realize that I had a lot of privilege So I moved to this city and was like I'm gonna create something so I conceived the idea of Nailphilia, a nail art exhibition, which you found out about? Yeah, of course. Um, I was doing my coursework at the time because I started Nail Transphobia. I was yeah. all about nails as well, obviously. And you were in my coursework at uni. How I crazy was in is your that? And then, as luck would have it, I was asked by a filmmaker to come in and shoot your Nail Transphobia clip. And then I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, you're incredible. But this is why it's so important because I never thought in my mind that me running away from home as a gay South Asian, coming here and just blindly being creative and creating an exhibition like that would resonate with someone like yourself who is what now? A legend, icon, and trans activist. Well, I didn't say it resonated with me, Ryan. I said I saw it. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> no, it was really good. And you are really good. That felt weird. <laughs> and I'm so glad that we have people like you. Like, if I had you on TV when I was a teenager, like, your show's coming out really soon. If I had watched that show, if I had that show when I was a teenager, it would have helped me so much. And I can imagine, like, you were talking specifically about, like, Southeast Asian gays as well. Like, yeah. it, it would help them even more because there's even less representation of LGBT people of yeah. colour, of different th faiths, and, you know, it's even less. Well, I think it's important for us to, like, be here, be visible, and be representatives of our people, and not be banging on about it. People just need to get with the programme. We're queer. When you meet someone, they're allowed to be anything they want to be. It's not male or female. It's everything in between. Let's allow the kids of the future to paint with all the colours and paint all the sky so it's not just blue or pink in the air. Yeah.
All right, guys, it's time to check what you've been saying on social media. I've got a text. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ryan, so we have a question. Okay, so the Hit first me. question is, any advice on meeting other queer people? I feel like you'd be good at this because you're obviously a king of the club night. I genuinely think the best thing you can do if you want to meet more queer people is get involved. The best thing to do is to read about all the queer daytime activities that exist, not just nighttime, because nighttime can be quite dark and you're just like on the perimeter of a dance floor. Explore the city, get lost and get curious. Meet as many people as you can. Start with, hi, my name is, and I'm from, and I'd like to, and just fill in the gaps and just be kind. I have a question for you. Go on. This is not me. This is a question from the audience. I feel like I'm straight, but I keep fancying trans people. Can you give me any advice? Are you sure it's not you, Ryan? Do you fancy me, Ryan? Okay, I love you, Charlie. <laughs> okay, do you know what? I feel like this gets so over-intellectualized and it's so deep and it's really not that deep, okay? I am a girl, mm. okay? Yes. Liking me doesn't make you anything other than straight, sadly. It makes me nothing other than straight as well, which I think is proof that if, you know there's this whole like misconception that being gay is a choice. Yeah. Maybe if being gay was a choice, I would choose to be gay. Let me just, let me make that crystal clear. I would not choose this, this prison that is heterosexuality for myself, trust me. <laughs> um, sadly, it doesn't make you anything other than straight, I'm sorry. Or maybe that's what you wanted to hear, but yeah. Liking trans women doesn't make you anything, anything special. I mean, to be honest, straight people just need to kind of get over themselves with their complexities. It's not that deep. <laughs> it's really not that deep. I feel attacked because I'm straight now, sadly. Oh, are you? Yeah, I really, do you know what? That's one of the, <laughs> the worst things about coming out as trans is that I was like, oh my God, I'm not gay anymore. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible, Ryan. How does it feel? Tell me more. That should be like the opposite of conversion therapy. I want to convert that. <laughs> anyway, hopefully that answers the person's question. Yeah, stay calm during all of this, by Yeah, the way. please stay calm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't think I would have realised I was trans if I didn't do that. I think it would have been a longer journey for me to realise I was not just feminine, but female, because it was almost like the people saying this isn't allowed, and me in turns repressing that and hating that and not doing that, yeah. that made me feel like I can't live like this. I had a breakdown and I got to my lowest point and I didn't want to be here anymore, essentially. And, and um, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have come out as trans because I got to my lowest point and I was like, it can't get worse. Yeah. Transitioning is going to be hard. I have nothing to lose because I don't want to be here now. Maybe I'll, I'll kill myself in a month but at least give it a try, you know? Like, and that's a bit dark, but well, like, rock, it's the truth. Rock bottom is a place that you need to hit in order to get through Start it. Start building back up. Yeah, build back up, but then it's only when you know how deep and dark it got that you can look back and know what the light is. Yeah, absolutely. Without the light, there is no dark, and without the dark, there's no light. And I think it's important that we shed some sort of flashlight on that because it allows people to understand what we went through. And it's also something that affects so much of our community. Like, you look at the numbers of yeah. LGBT people and LGBT young people who have not even just been suicidal, but attempted suicide. It's almost half, like, it's almost half of our community is insane. I think we're not talking about how many people are depressed in general, but the society we live in and the things that get put on yeah. our shoulders. I remember when I was in university, I found out that my parents found out that I was gay. And my sister called me and she's like, mom, mom knows that you're gay, mom knows that you're gay. And I had to go to school that day and like finish an exam and I couldn't do it. I like bombed it. I was just sitting there just tapping my fingers being like, how am I going to exist in the rest of this life, let alone this exam? Mm. When the exam finished, I went straight to my professor and I said, professor, like, I'm so, so sorry. I bombed my test because my parents found out I'm gay. And he just said, don't worry, I'll make sure you pass. And I just looked at him like a gasp being like, why? Why would you do that to me? Why would you give me that grace? And he said, it's because I have a daughter who used to be my son. Oh. And I just stood there, didn't know what to say. And he's like, being gay is going to be the reason why you're great. So just get back to it. Oh my God, that is so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Oh but like God. that ability to have someone see that you're concealing yourself and see the pain that you go through when you go through it, the exhaustion and someone who can notice the rock bottom that you've hit because it's so dark down there. When someone throws a rope down there and pulls you out, it's incredibly powerful. Wow. Bloody hell, Ryan, that was really good. <laughs> I feel like taken aback by that. Huh? That is really beautiful. It was beautiful. So since that big reveal, talk about one moment of queer joy that you've had since then, big or small. I've had a lot of queer joy and I'm so blessed to say that because with the obstacles and the things that I've overcome, I've been able to celebrate and have moments of elation. I think now, at the tender, youthful age that I am, um, looking back at some of the, the people that I've got to work with and the people that I've got to unlock culturally, creatively, have really, really inspired me. And it's made me happy that like, I can kind of get a sense of knowing what my legacy is going to be. Your legacy as queer people, like we don't get to have kids traditionally in ways that we would normally think that most people get to experience it. The opportunity of having a child as a cis male is like, as a queer person is not a straight path, yeah. pun intended. But it's like, <laughs> I get to experience that with all the people that come to Hungama and all the people that get to enjoy the music and dip into their gender presentation, dip into their gender orientation, and knowing that it was incepted at my night or incepted through an interaction with me, fills me with complete and utter joy. I'm so glad that a little bit of me can live inside everyone. That's beautiful. Thank you. My moment of queer joy is a much smaller moment. And the other day I was on the tube, which is a bit boring, but like I was just on the tube, listening to my music, wearing a tracksuit, no makeup on, hair in a messy bun. And I just caught myself at how comfortable I was. It was people on the train. And I caught myself thinking, and I was like, oh my God, I am so comfortable. And I remember the first time I ever got on the tube when I had started presenting, when I started living my life authentically as Charlie and how terrified I was. And I can't put into words, I've had a lot of bad experiences in my life. I have never 
been more terrified than that first day going out, presenting as my authentic self. I just remember like leaving my door and like I said, I lived on a council estate. So there was like thousands of windows looking down at my door and just feeling like everyone was at their windows looking at me. Everyone was laughing and it wasn't in my head because then I like got on with my day and people were laughing at me. People were pointing at me. I looked stupid. I looked so bad. I had a really bad wig. I didn't know how to do my makeup. I just stood out and looked awful and I, I got like abuse that day. Early transition is hard, yeah. hard, hard, hard. No word for how hard it is. I was so scared and I stood at the back of the carriage you know like the carriages there's like the little thing with the window and I stood facing the window like so that end of the carriage I stood facing away from everyone in the carriage so that they wouldn't see me and how bad I look because I knew I was going to be attacked and I was attacked constantly in the early days of my transition I mean like to the point I've lost count of how many times I've been attacked and I can't believe the difference in like that person getting on the tube that day to the person I am now, sit on the tube, no makeup on. I'm at a point in my transition, I don't even have to wear makeup to blend in. Like that is so powerful. And don't get me wrong, I love makeup. Mm -hmm. I wear, I love makeup. Makeup is one of my favorite things in the world, but it's so nice not to have to wear makeup to be seen as who you are, you know? It's not a mask anymore. It just makes me the better version of myself. But like, it was all worth it. And I just hope anyone listening, if you're going through that early part of transition, that is just so hard, just know there will come a day and you don't think it will. I didn't think it would, but there will come a day where you will, you will look back and be like, I did it. But the big leaps are small wins and the small wins are big leaps. And yeah. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Ralph. And I just have a lot of compassion because I don't think people step outside themselves in order to think about what that must be like. Yeah. Like the idea of having the courage and the bravery to acknowledge your transness and then to decide that you are going to step into your transness and leave that house, walk down that street, go onto that tube and sit there and be proud. That type of pride needs to be applauded at all costs yeah. and protected at all costs. And I'm so proud that you're doing it Thanks, and that it's gotten easier for you. Thank and God. as a, you're a, a shining beacon of hope to a lot of people. So now we're going to dive in a little deeper with some DMC, that's deep meaningful chats. So to start off, I thought we'd talk maybe about kind of like the negative side of representation, queer representation, because I feel like that's a real hot topic at the moment. Mm -hmm. Let's have a little DMC about that, Ryan. Tell me what you think. Well, I feel that with queerness being very popular yeah. and uh, the LGBTQIA community making waves, we are being cherry picked and put on platforms that don't necessarily have our best interests. And so I think one of the negative things that have come out of that is the fact that we as queer people are so desperate to survive and so desperate to be seen, especially when our industry is creative and we need that, we need to get that bag that we are being put as faces and as ambassadors for things that don't actually have our best interests and care about us. And so I think it's important that we ask people when they do get these opportunities and they do try to emulate the things that you and I are doing and ask themselves whether or not those brands partnerships, people, and like those people who are wanting to rainbow wash us essentially are not doing it. And if they are going to have us, they're doing it for the right reasons. And I think it's really important that when brands want to get involved, they want to like, dogs aren't just for Christmas and queer people aren't just for pride. You got, if you want to, if you want to get on board, you need to, you need to be using us all year round. Yeah. And like, especially with the sorts of stuff I was talking about with the media at the moment, I feel like where are like the brands that are there in prior season saying we stand with the community when like we're literally having debates and legislation is being like discussed whether I should be using a men's toilet and that actually might be happening. Really? Like where are you now? Like it would hold so much power if these brands actually did say something those in these situations. Are, those brands are cherry picking you to be in their campaigns but when you go and shoot that they're not making sure that you have the right toilet. 
Mm, that's true. And so it's like making sure that that type of awareness exists. So we can't deny that coming out and realizing your authentic queerness is an easy journey. It's mm. quite difficult. But do you have any sort of memories where you were courageous enough to do something bold and it just added to your lifeline of queerness? I started, interestingly, there's a real link of nails through this, like a motif of nails, because I started expressing my gender variance and my queerness with my nails. I went to an all-boys school. Thanks, mum. And I remember on results day, A-level results day, it was like a Catholic school, so we had uniforms and stuff. I was really, really badly bullied, like really, I had not a single friend at that school. And I was there for seven years. And I remember on results day, I was like, I'm going to go in as my authentic self. I'm not going to tone myself down. I'm not going to dilute myself. I'm going to go in proud. It was almost like a fingers up to everyone in that school who had made my life hell for seven years to be like, you didn't break me. And I went in with like painted nails and like cute outfit as well. This outfit Sexy. actually, it's actually what I wore. Yeah, for results that no. And she still Imagine. fits in it. Yeah. <laughs> no, not quite. But I went in and the nails were the thing that everyone was just gagged at. They were like, oh, and the amount of abuse I was getting, I was getting shouted at. And the funny thing is I did to my surprise, I got the third best results in the whole year. Because I did so good, they had to take a photo of me to put on a school. And in the photo holding my results up, I was like, <laughs> with my painted nails in this all-boys cafe school. And that was on the reception for a year because I was one of the best. You, oh. know, you know what they say in Shakespeare, success is the best revenge served gay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But listen, so I remember one, and I want to tell you this because it also had to do with school. I remember getting to university, and that's when I started to like realize that like I was expressing myself more than I normally was. I think it was my deproximation from home and the South Asian community I grew up in. I figured out where the LGBTQ space was. I would walk by it every day. I'd purposely walk by it, and um, I was always too scared to go through it. And as I walked by, I would try to look in through the glass and see what was going on in there. And my heart and soul knew I wanted to be in that space. Space. But as a South Asian, I was so scared that other people in the city and the village and everyone who like comes up to the mountain. I went to a, a university on a mountain because I'm from Canada. But it took me one whole year before I had the courage to walk through that door. And when I walked in, it was a trans person who greeted me. It always is a trans person who greets you. Yeah. Well done, Ryan. Thank you. And if anyone is listening, having that same experience, walk through the door. Like, how did yeah. that change your life? I mean, I am the person I am today. And like, it is so beautiful because the community allowed that space to exist. And it was those people who were there every day as a volunteer for like anyone who was questioning who they were in any capacity to be there to receive them. I would attend every single meeting. I wouldn't say a word. I wouldn't participate in anything. But I started to understand the foundations and the building blocks of being queer. And now look at you, you can't keep your mouth shut, can yeah, you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> look at Tell me some of the advocacy you do, because you do a lot of, now you're like a trailblazer in our community. Talk to me about the work, because you, now you have gone from finding that space to yeah. creating the space and talking about hunger and stuff. Oh, thank you. I think that what I do comes naturally to me because I just love being a leader and I love being a pioneer. Um, you're I, a Leo, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> we are Pisces, that's why she pointed yeah. it out. But so I was in East London and I was like in fashion and art doing these exhibitions that were like getting the attention of the fashion industry, getting the attention of the beauty industry, getting the attention of art. But whenever I was in those spaces, I didn't feel like myself. And whenever I left those spaces, I always felt like I was putting on another mask. And as someone who like ran away from home and was in a completely unknown territory, I was just so exhausted, yeah. emotionally exhausted from having to wear a turtleneck in the art world, be all sassy in the fashion world, and then just try my best to like figure out where I exist in beauty. Yeah. And I'm so glad the times have changed now and I can be a part of that change. But it was one time that I went to a club in East London that someone was really dismissive to me. They like shooed me away and I could only, I could only discern that the reason they did it was because of my skin color. 
And I left crying. I was in such a mess. And I, I walked home and the only thing I knew to do was put on some Bollywood music. It was the only thing that made me feel like my mom was holding me. And I realized how I didn't allow being South Asian to be a part of my life because I was subscribing to this notion of what being a white queer person was. I don't like Kylie Minogue. I don't like Madonna that much. I don't even like <laughs> Lady Gaga. Yeah. You don't like no, Lady Gaga? No. Okay, I'm, I'm I love, leaving. I love, I love all of it, but it's not me. It's not what I grew up yeah, in. No, like, I and, I and totally like, get that. There's like a cultural unlocking that occurs when you're with your tribe. Yeah. And I think this is why a lot of people who are queer flee where they're from to go to these like metropolitan and more liberal cities and villages and, and areas because you're allowed to find your tribe and you're allowed to experiment and be different. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I was like, deuces, I'm going to go and do this on my own, throw a Bollywood hip hop night for queer people who are South Asian. The yeah. amount of people who come to that party and were like, I've never, I never knew I was allowed to listen to this song in this club. I didn't know that a song that my mom would play on the TV while she was cooking is allowed to be in a gay pub. It just really changed the game. It's brilliant and I'm really proud and I just feel like that sort of visibility and unbridled zero fucks given is exactly what you should have. But be kind, welcoming and polite. Like it's celebrating the future of diversity. It's yeah. because of the fact that the space that we created didn't ostracize anyone. We welcome everybody, absolutely. but we prioritize the right people. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. By having, by having a club night that actually exists where we are reminding them in that space that not only are you listening to Bollywood music, but you're now an ally for trans people. The ripple effect is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm so proud to be able to like align myself with people like you and, and all of the other trailblazers that exist in the queer community in London. I never dreamed in my mind I'd be able to do it. Yeah, same. Yeah, and so like, how's the response been from Nail Transphobia? It's been good. It's been eight years. <laughs> so I'm like, God, yeah, and do you know what? Like, it's been a lot to process because I, I actually feel like I sometimes I get really disheartened because you look in the media at the moment and it almost feels like, what was all the work for? Like, not just my work, but I mean, collectively as a community, like, the last 10 years, trans people have been really pushing, 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 and it just feels like things are going back. Like, did you hear the thing even the other day about like the toilets? In the UK, they're trying to push for us to, the EHRC are like talking about putting us in the men's toilets unless we have a gender recognition certificate. That would mean I'd be using the men's toilets, things What's like that. Wrong it's like, and this is the UK, you know, this is London, this is 2022. It's just like... UK, more like, are you okay? Yeah, no, but really, like, it's just, it's absolutely maddening and just all the conversations that happen in the media, conflating trans women with rapists. And what has all the work been for oh, Okay, but what we need to do is, like, start unpacking this. We should not be yeah. believing media. And we need to start teaching, like, absolutely. the people who are using all these social media platforms and reading these headlines that they are training people who are subscribing to it in regional parts of the UK to change their mind and brainwash them. Like, obviously we don't think that way and we yeah. know that needs to change. But what we need to start doing is empowering people, the youth of tomorrow, to come out of the closet, be visible in their hometowns and have the change start from here and ripple into the rest of the country. That's why Nail Transphobia is just all about bringing people into the conversation rather than shutting them out and making a bigger divide. It's about saying, come, come have a free manicure. You can ask me anything. Let's have a chat. And again, the ripples thing that you just said, yeah. it makes waves like that. It's not just doing the one person's nails that you're changing the mind of. And that one person then goes away and tells their boyfriend if their boyfriend's in the streets and all that's a man about like a trans woman. It's about ripples making waves. So what I think is super important of what you did with nail transphobia is that you allowed people to access you by accessing something that they love.
So nails are something that does, has no classism. So if you're extremely famous, or if you are living in a council flat, if you have creativity and ingenuity, the way that you said you expressed yourself when you went to school, through your nails, you're allowing people to come and be creative and disengage and disarm them, and you're teaching them really valuable lessons. You should Thanks, be really Brian. proud of yourself. Do you know what? <laughs> it wasn't even that deep. I was just like, oh. I've got a lot to say, and I know if I just like sit at a table <laughs> at like a festival or Are a uni like or something <laughs> with a, a bunch of brochures about trans stuff, no one is gonna listen. But if I offer a free manicure, baby, that's a cute out the door. So that's, my, that's how it Works. And that's called the Kansas City Shovel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you know, it's just a way of bringing people into the conversation yeah. rather than shutting them out and making the divide even further. People just need to sit down with a trans person. Because the thing is, most people haven't met a trans person. But this is the important thing that you're saying right now, like calling people in and asking them to learn and doing it in a way that makes them feel comfortable. And society is built around media that scares people and indoctrinates an idea that everyone is different and out to get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we start to have conversations like this, so glad to be here that we are. Yeah. Basically, talking about how acceptance can look so many beautiful ways that this will drip feed into the rest of the regions of the UK, and then it'll inspire like other youth of tomorrow to come out of the closet, be who they are, yeah. and know that they're loved and cared for, and change minds on a daily basis. Yeah, you keep using the word ripples as well, and for me, with what I do now, transphobia is all about ripples making waves and knowing that. I'm just painting one person's nails, yeah. but that one, um, it's a lot more than just one over eight years, do you know what I mean? Like, but it, it's about just conversation. And I think the reason there's a lot of transphobia is because people just haven't met a trans person. We make up 1% of the population. I hadn't met a trans person until two years into my transition. Mm. We're, we are very far and few between. So when the media is publishing these stories about us where we're made to be seemed like we want to abolish gender and we want to like abolish gendered spaces and, and we want to cancel Adele for saying she's proud to be a woman. Did you see that the other day at the yeah. Brits? She said, and I wrote a piece for Glamour that's out today where I was like, we have much bigger problems than Adele saying she's proud to be a woman. Adele is a woman. She should be proud to be a woman. I'm a woman. I'm proud to be a woman. We have much bigger problems as trans people, as queer people, as LGBTQIA plus people, yeah. than if Adele is calling herself a woman. And I just hope That's people bored. listening to this who are cis, who are straight, understand that we're not as a whole community, I mean LGBTQIA plus, we are not what we're being painted out to be in the media. They are using us as scapegoats. They're trying to make you angry at us, they're trying to turn yeah. you against us, make us seem like we're changing everything and like nothing's sacred and you can't make a joke anymore. We just need to keep shouting, but I hope anyone listening knows that they need to shout as well. Yeah. We can't win this without straight people, cis people, allies on our side. Totally. We are a minority. Yeah. We need people in the majority to stand up with us. And you don't even have to understand the ins and outs of every argument. You just can see right is right and wrong is wrong yeah. and just do the right thing. I'm gonna say this right now, out and proud. Trans people are earth angels, point blank period. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that. But, no, you but are, and you should, be, you should be protected at all costs, according to me. And so as an ally, and y'all need to be allies in the future, actually starting now, not in the future, allies need to start including trans people and people of color and uh, disabled people in everything they do, point blank period. Yeah specifically trans people of color. We need to do what you said and just protect the most marginalized because they are the ones, that, ironically, doing the most protecting. They yeah. are the ones, like you said, when you came into the sport group for the first time, it was a trans person. Yeah. It was like the Marshes, the Sylvias, it's the trans people of color who are always at the front of every every march. Yeah, no, absolutely. But for all people's rights, yeah. not just trans people's I rights. I mean, trans pride in London is one of the most incredible and euphoric parades that have ever existed in the world, point blank period. And I go to it every single year because it's run by Lucia Blake, who founded it, and I Love. think they're incredible. And I just feel like, that collective global euphoria only exists at that parade. Anything else is bollocks. All right, so we need to wrap things up. Yeah. 
I just want everyone out there to know that if you feel like the whole world is against you and there are a lot of things that you hate about yourself, I want you to write all those things down. I want you to wear those with a badge of pride because it's those things that are gonna make you unstoppable. And so if you ever think that this is impossible, just think I am possible. I think my takeaway would be for the allies watching or people who wanna be an ally or just pe people who maybe who don't even wanna be an ally is to say something if you see something. This goes beyond queer people. We all need to be better allies to everyone. We need to be there for each other. And I just, yeah, I just would really urge you to say something if you see something and you don't even have to like know the everything about the queer community and all the letters and da -da, it, you know right from right and wrong from wrong and we just need people to stand up for what's right be a good human i think we've covered quite a lot today haven't we brian yeah we've concealed revealed revelations no hesitations <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us on the benefit broadcast the conceal or reveal edition be sure to like and subscribe and tell your friends. Yeah, you can find this video series and podcast on at Benefit Cosmetics UK on Instagram. And tune in next week because we have some incredible hosts lined up for you. Bye. Bye-bye. This episode of the Benefit Broadcast, the Conceal or Reveal edition, was hosted by Ryan Landry and Charlie Craggs. For more information on LGBTQIA plus issues and the topics covered in this episode, please see the show notes for links to resources. It was produced and edited by Content is Queen. Original creative production and casting by The Digital Fairy. Original music by Alice Boyd.